0: This episode of Coach to Coach is brought to you by my coach training program for academics and higher education professionals. I'll be the first to admit that I've never needed my coaching skills more than in this roller coaster of a year. An anchor for me during this time has been meeting with my coach training participants each week to explore how we can hold space for clients, listen for the things that they care about most, and help them to achieve their goals through focused questions, activities, and tools. If you think that becoming a coach might be a fit for your professional development goals, you can learn more about the coach training program or sign up for a 30-minute Q&A session with me to ask all of your questions at higheredcoaches.com. Cohorts begin in January, April, and June, and I'd love to have you join us. Welcome to Coach to Coach, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the power of coaching. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Linder, and I offer coaching to academics and higher education professionals to bring more ease to their lives and work. Before you dive into this episode, here's a quick introduction to the structure of the show. In each season of Coach to Coach, a new guest coach will come on the show to demonstrate a range of coaching tools and strategies. The first episode will offer you an introduction to the guest coach, Then I'll coach the guest, and they'll coach me for the next six episodes, and always on real topics and issues we're dealing with in our own lives. Each season will end with a debrief episode where we'll talk about how the season went and offer any updates on the topics covered in earlier episodes. It might make the most sense to start each season in the beginning and listen to the episodes in order. This season, I'm delighted to introduce you to Dr. Danielle Barkley, a higher education professional and coach in training. Danielle currently works as a career and professional development educator at the University of British Columbia, where she specializes in supporting students at the master's and PhD level. Coaching gives Danielle the opportunity to engage in career conversations with a wider audience, including mid-career professionals, career changers, and anyone wondering what their best life could look like. Hey, Danielle, good to see you again. Hi, Katie. It's great to be here
1: again. And today you are coaching me, so I will hand things over. Well, I'm really excited to be here. I thought maybe we'd start with a kind of quick check-in as you sort of are here in this moment. Anything you're noticing around you or in your body? How are things feeling this morning?
0: Hmm. Well, I spent my morning coaching and leading coach training. So as we record this, it's like mid-afternoon my time. And, um, I did get a lunch break, which was nice. Um, probably could have used a nap break if I'm completely honest, but that was not in the cards today. So coming in, I would say, um, I don't, I, I feel like there's, I use a term sometimes wrung out that I don't think of as negative, but it's just like, I've given myself, you know, throughout the day. And so I'm starting to feel a little wrung out. Um, but I've been looking forward to this. So I feel like, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that today's session, will give me kind of some clarity and energy around something. And it's something I've been thinking about for a while. So it may help even more to help me, to bring me out today and <laughs> get me to a place where I can really think about something um, in a way that's going to make more sense for me.
1: Yeah. And the words clarity and energy are interesting. That's already given me a bit of a, a sense of what you might be looking for from this conversation. Uh, but why don't you start by telling me sort of the topic you have in mind today? Yeah. So...
0: Last time we talked about this, uh, retreat that I'm going to be planning, um, or that I'm currently planning on, um, on yoga and planning kind of for the new year for 2021. And since I have kind of started that and I've announced it and people are registering for it, there's a website. So it's, it's happening, uh, which is really exciting. Um, it's gotten me really thinking about other plans I might have for 2021 in terms of other yoga offerings that I might want to have and in particular I've been thinking a lot about this concept of like yoga infused or yoga inspired coaching and what does that mean and what does it look like um and so I I think that's part of where I want to focus today um Also, I feel like this could be potentially interesting for listeners because I probably have a healthy amount of imposter syndrome around this area that I think I need to kind of acknowledge head on um, and just kind of think about like, how can I build confidence in this area? What do I have to offer even if I'm not super experienced? Like, I think there's a lot of benefits to starting to teach something when you're still early and learning it yourself. like So I see a lot of that, but as I think about what does this mean for my business and my clients and what I can offer by kind of combining some of this stuff, um, there's just a lot to think about there for me. The third layer I'll add in is, um, so the first layer is like the topic, the second layer is imposter syndrome. The third layer for me is this feels like kind of a, a uh, identity shift, um, both a public identity shift and just for me personally to be really thinking about these topics. And I think that's definitely rooted in some of the imposter syndrome pieces. But, you know, what does it mean for me to publicly be a yoga teacher? You know, when I kind of went into this thinking, well, this is really just about my own practice. And now I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of benefits to this for other people that could be, you know, interesting and useful for me to share with my audience and with my clients. So that's kind of the realm that I want to be in today in our session.
1: Yeah. And I love that you've sort of already conceptualized those layers because I think that, that there's an important kind of range there between sort of, I think maybe some more logistical or like what, how is this going to show up and then the deeper, deeper levels how, by the end of this conversation, what do you think you're looking for? What would you like to have to take with you by the end of our conversation today?
0: Um, I, you know, it's interesting because I kind of conceptualize those levels on the fly. So as I was doing that, um, I do feel like there's, there is kind of a more, what I would consider to be surface level, which is just like, what are the similarities between yoga and coaching? What kinds of offerings could I have, you know, in this area, like just kind of like you know, just very exploratory, like what would it mean to do this um, from a business perspective? But I do think that there's another layer in which it would be helpful for me to walk away with concrete ideas around what I would like to do to build confidence in this area in the next like two to three months. Not that it would be over and I would be like fully confident at that point, but just in kind of a short-term thinking about right now, we're just kind of into quarter four of the year. So if I, if I kind of committed to a little bit of a project for myself around boosting confidence or learning more in this area, what would that look like? Um, once we kind of decide the boundaries around um, how do we how do I even define this in some ways to think about yoga infused or yoga inspired coaching?
1: Yeah. And I think that idea of confidence is so interesting in terms of how it also intersects with the identity piece, right? If this is a place that feels like you're stepping into not just doing a new thing, but potentially kind of being a new person or kind of having a public persona that's different than what you've had before. um, Confidence is probably a big piece of that. So I imagine so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious to start off by asking, you know, when other roles, your current coaching, your professional life, how does confidence show up for you there? Or how do you sort of register a feeling of confidence when it occurs in
0: those areas? Um, I mean, I would say in general, I feel like I'm a pretty confident person. Um, this has a lot to do with what I've talked about in the past as being radical self-trust. You know, this is something that I've practiced for a long time. Um, and I also feel like I have a pretty clear understanding of my strengths, and so I often place myself in situations where those strengths are on display, or I, I think about that very strategically with my career, for example. Um, and so I would also say, though, that I have taken, so I would say, significant steps in the past five-plus years to bring things into my life that are new, that I don't feel confident with necessarily in the beginning. I think coaching is a good example of that, where I had um, some experience with it before I went through training, um, but that I, I really did feel like I was picking up new skills. I was pushing boundaries with my own abilities with that. Whenever I write a new book, you know that's definitely me stepping into a new space, um, both in terms of like my own knowledge expression, But, you know, every time, you know, you hear people say, like, every time you write a new book, the person is thinking, I'm not sure I can write this book, which is true. I mean, it doesn't matter how many books you've written in the past. So I think that's a good example. Um, And even the job I'm in now, you know, like switching into a different um, kind of pathway with my career in terms of the leadership abilities that I have uh, right now and the, the level of strategy that I'm engaging in. So I feel like it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, but I would say that 80% of the time, maybe even higher, I feel like I'm operating from a place of confidence um, depending on what it is I'm doing. And when it comes to um, yoga, I feel like in some ways where the lack of confidence might be is, it definitely has to do with the level of time that I've spent. Cause I still feel like I'm really coming to an understanding about the self-knowledge piece with yoga. And I'm deepening kind of my own understanding of what it means personally to me in my own practice. And then there's a whole level of just information that you're learning about various aspects of yoga. And when I think about things like yoga inspired coaching, for example, I'm not just referring to the physical practice. So that's, you know, the area that I'm trying to figure out is like, what, what does that mean to bring elements of um like yogic ethics, for example, into a coaching situation, um, which, and, and do people even want that? I mean, I don't know. So I think that that's part of where the lack of confidence is, is there's, um, my own self-knowledge that I'm continuing to deepen, but also just a new area of like content knowledge that I feel like I'm coming to understand, but not in kind of the deeper way that years of experience allows you to, um, see it in a lot of different scenarios. Like this is why I feel like I can teach coach training because I have hundreds of hours of experience coaching and I've seen it in lots of different ways. And, you know, like there's lots of, um, confidence that comes from that of just being nimble with a certain content area. And so I feel like that nimbleness is not there yet when it comes to, to yoga.
1: Yeah. And I'm hearing perhaps in that a bit of a thread of, you know, the higher education context in which we both spend a lot of our time and, you know, the value of of expertise, of really deep uh, subject knowledge, maybe as well. Uh, But I wanted to pick up on something quite profound that you said at the beginning of our conversation around kind of, I'll say, beginner's mindset or the value that being a beginner can actually bring to teaching. Could you say a little bit more about how you see that showing up in, in yoga and coaching for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are a lot of ways
0: in which different content areas can feel really intimidating to people. And um, I see this a lot in coach training because people come in and they're like, I don't know if I can do this. This is a whole new identity. It's a very much like what I'm describing with yoga, I see in the coach training participants. So I think that's partly why this is on my mind because I'm deeply involved in coach training right now. So I see that kind of beginner mindset a lot. But I would also say that I feel like because I'm someone who likes to break down complex information into manageable pieces and I'm a systems thinker and that's part of what that means is that I can just like break something big down into smaller chunks for people. Um, I've seen myself be able to do that with the book writing, with course creation, you know, other parts of the business and I feel like there's this sweet spot where you know just enough to be able to do that, but you're not so far away from it that you don't understand what beginners need to know. And so I'm, I think that's part of what I'm trying to figure out right now with the yoga piece is like, where is that line for me? Because I think especially with yoga for people who are just starting out, there are elements of it. And I recently wrote a blog post about this, which I can put into the show notes, where I basically just said, here's what I focused on when I was beginning. And it was like stuff that I think it would have helped me. You know, if, I, if somebody had said, these are the 10 things you need to be thinking about. It's a way of just breaking it down, you know, in a very um, concrete way and simple way. And that's what I'm always interested in doing is getting kind of just ahead of the curve enough that I'm helping the people behind me who are coming along. And I'm, that's the part that's feeling a little bit iffy for me right now is I don't feel like I need to know everything, But I do feel like I need to know enough that I'm simplifying it for people coming along behind me and that I'm not further confusing them because I don't have enough information to put it into the right boxes or the right metaphors or, you know, the right chunks of information. Um, And along with that, I would also say that it's possible that there are elements of yoga that I would want to prioritize more than others in a coaching situation just because there's a lot of possibilities there and coaching is very personalized to the client. And so I I was kind of looking around and doing some research online to see who else is doing this and like, how are they presenting it? And one website I found for a, a life coach basically said it could come in in these ways. And she'd kind of listed out these different possibilities. And there were several of those possibilities that I was like, I would not practice it that way. You know, like I would do something different, but it gave me this concept of, It's one way to represent it to a client audience to say, you know, this is what I mean when I say yoga infused coaching, you can choose it or not, you know, like there's different pathways, but if you would choose this pathway, it might show up in our coaching in these various ways. Um, So, yeah, I think that there's something there for me about that, trying to find that line or that curve or whatever, (laughs) however I want to describe it of like being enough ahead that, um, I feel like I have something to teach and also not doing it in such a way that it is driven by ego, but that it's more driven by, I know I have a gift where I can break things down. Like it's just a superpower that I have. So I'm always thinking about that when I learn something new is how do I then teach the thing that I've learned, but I want to have learned it deep enough that it makes sense for me to do that.
1: I'm interested in this idea of, of teaching. Cause when I think of coaching, at, at least, and, and, you know, acknowledging I'm still kind of early on my coaching journey, so this is fascinating about these learning pieces for me. What do you see as being the relationship between teaching and coaching, or how does teaching typically show up in your coaching, and not your coach training before the client work? Yeah,
0: I mean, I would say that it it doesn't, um, in the sense of, like, I typically put teaching in the realm of, like, podcasting, blogging, coach training, kind of what you would think in terms of content sharing. But I do see an element of what I would call teaching in the marketing of a service like this. So the website would be clarifying, this is what I mean when I say this, and this is what it could include. I could also see a level of, and I hesitate to call it teaching, maybe modeling or facilitating would be a better word. Um, For example, one of the ways I've seen this done in and, and there's not a ton of people that I can find, honestly, that are combining yoga and life coaching. I'm sure they're out there, but I think they're not calling it the, the things that I'm searching for. But one of the ways that people do this is when you set an agenda in coaching, they might call that setting an intention. And then you do like a brief meditation to come into the space together. So it's kind of like using the ceremony of coaching and combining it with a little bit of the ceremony of yoga to um, bring some mindfulness or present, you know, focusness to the session. I see that as more facilitative than teaching to lead someone through an activity like that. But I think that, um, or kind of modeling an activity like that. And I do a little bit of that in my coaching now. So it's kind of, the other thing I'm, I'm starting to think about is are there things I'm already doing that I would put into this category? I just haven't called it this category. But I think my clients, some of them would say, you're kind of doing some of this already. You know, like there there are elements of my practice that are very somatic or embodied in terms of my coaching um, presence. And I think that yoga is really infused into some of that. So that's, yeah, I don't, I think that answers the question. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit here to, to answer it in my own mind, but I would say I don't see it as teaching but in yoga, yoga is referred to as teaching, even though there's a Mm -hmm. lot of other things in there. So I think part of it is just the semantics of what's being used in that field slash discipline, if we want to call it that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And that's helpful. I want to go back to that, that moment where you said you were looking at this other website, and it sounds like they offered a pretty clear breakdown. And it sounds like you also had a moment of looking at it and already being able to start to envision like what you would change, how you would sort of tweak some of that content. So I guess I'm curious about like, if you were to create a a website or a description for yourself now or in the near future about how yoga infused coaching, what that means for you, how it might show up, how ready do you think you would be to do that, you know, now or in the fairly near future?
0: Yeah, that is the question I'm asking because I think I, I like to revisit this kind of stuff annually. And so this is the time of year where it's like, the time um, for me to be thinking about 2021 and if I'm gonna be launching new things or different things. Um, And so that's a lot of why it's on my mind right now. I think there are some things that I'm ready for in terms of calling out things that are already there. So for example, I have realized through my yoga studies that the the steps that I talk about with radical self-trust, I give like six cultivation methods they map really well into the chakra system. Who knew? I knew nothing about chakras before two months ago. Um, And I'm not sure what I think about chakras. Like I'm not entirely sure that's something I want to bring deeply into my practice, but it was enough for me to go, huh, that's interesting. You know, that there's these connections that I can see. There are also connections between radical self-trust and, what uh, are referred to in kind of yoga philosophy as like ethics, or what are called the yamas and niyamas, which are kind of a, a set of um, ethical principles that people who practice yoga are are meant to follow. Um, for example, there's one on self-study, which is a big part of radical self-trust, self-knowledge, increasing self-knowledge, self-awareness. You know those kinds of things. So one question I've asked, and this is just to provide kind of an example, is should I basically overhaul my seven weeks to radical self-trust program, which right now is really just coaching, uh, it's group coaching, to layer in this other information that I've really connected with and kind of understood to see possible overlaps, you know, with this principle or set of principles that I've already developed for coaching. And to me, that would mean maybe bringing in short meditations possibly designing a yoga sequence for each of the the six cultivation methods you know and really trying to again infuse what i'm already doing in some ways with a little bit more of an overt understanding of these other things where i'm starting to see some overlap so in some cases like that's a good example of one it seems like an obvious area that i could make some of these changes it's relatively contained you know in terms of being a program that already exists I have clear ideas of where the overlaps are already happening um, with what I'm learning through my yoga study. And so that's that's like one possibility. I think the other things I've been thinking about more explicitly are combining um, coaching with yin practice, which is a form of yoga that you hold poses for longer periods of time. So that would allow for talking between me and a client during the pose to be talking explicitly about releasing something or being open to something, which is is what yin is often associated with. So I I do see kind of explicit areas where this could work. I definitely feel like I have some questions about one, whether or not there's an audience for this and particularly a niche audience in higher ed and academia, which is where I tend to practice Um, and I'm always a little bit um, reflective. I won't say concerned, (laughs) but reflective and, and kind of making sure that I'm checking myself around taking an audience on a journey that I'm on, you know, that they don't necessarily need to be on that journey. So it's like, to what degree is what I'm doing needing to be infused into a business that I have versus I'm just doing these practices and they're helping me as a coach, maybe through, you know, other kinds of development that I have, but I don't necessarily need to be offering this, you know, through my business. So it's, it's on my mind to be like, what is the spectrum? You know, like how big of a leap am I taking here? And, you know, in two years, am I just basically going to be a yoga teacher and a coach? (laughs) And that's like my business, you know, to do that. Um, Or am I going to be a coach who practices yoga and uses that to increase my own professional and personal development?
1: To what extent do you feel like you need to answer that question of a yoga teacher who coaches or a coach who sort of brings in yoga practices to what extension do you need, feel you need to decide that now? Like, is there something in this moment that feels like there needs clarity around that?
0: I don't think, I don't think I can. Um, I think that I'm still very much in the middle of um, the yoga training. I'm, I actually start the next course next week, uh, the 300 hour And it is focused a little bit on business building. And so it will allow me to kind of dive deeper into this. I think in some ways I saw this session as like a precursor to that, to kind of get me thinking about some of the questions that I have. Um, And I, I also think because this is for me tied to identity, it's not like an overnight kind of decision that I want to make. That said, I'm someone who's like, once I decide, it's like, okay, this is what we're doing. I mean, it's like, I don't often take a, a ton of time um, to to go back and forth about these decisions. And I have started having some of these conversations with my partner, uh, my business partner, my life partner, just to kind of clue him in that this is on my mind. So it doesn't feel urgent, but it does feel important. Um, and it feels like something that could have a relatively significant impact on what I decide to do in the future, especially post-pandemic, if I were to do in-person retreats and other kinds of things like that, or to offer a service where I would facilitate retreats and then infuse yoga into those kinds of um, programming. I mean, that that makes pretty serious sense to me to be able to offer that as a possibility and to be able to do both facilitative work and yogic practice in the same way offering. You know, like that seems kind of interesting to me.
1: Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm getting the sense you're sort of framing it as maybe clarifying some of those pieces or making some of those decisions so that the actions you take in 2021 kind of emanate from them?
0: A little bit. I mean, I definitely would say, um, and people who've been listening to, to me in various places for a long time will know I'm a, I am ai like to think long-term strategy. So if I'm thinking, you know, three years from now, this is where I want to be, then yes, I want to set up the pieces right now that are contributing to that. That said, I do feel like I'm doing that. You know, like I'm taking the, the yoga training course. I already have the first certification in that. I feel like my coaching skills are being enhanced through the coach training and through other kinds of professional development that I continue to do. I am deepening my own practice in terms of um, physical practice of yoga and doing a lot of reading around it and connecting with people who are in the yoga community and all those kinds of things. So it's not as if I feel like nothing is happening to Mm -hmm. kind of move this forward. And I think it's all gonna be contributing to this um, as I keep going. But I do think that there is um, the bigger question for me is kind of that what what is taking I don't want to say taking the lead. It's almost like a ratio question um, of going back to like how much of the yoga teaching stuff am I bringing in to to the business um, and I to me it's I'm thinking through it as we're talking to Danielle and it has a lot to do with the identity part. Because it's hard for me to not bring identity into the business. Like if there's something that's hugely important to me and not that I wanna be like an evangelist about anything, but it's like, if I know something works and I see clear connections between you know, mind, body, and I know that it will be impactful for my clients to be thinking about some of this stuff in relationship to coaching, I'm not gonna not bring it to them. So I think that that's part of what's um, interesting for me to think about at this stage is like, I, I think I am starting to see pretty significant benefits from this. And so it's like hard for me to not envision bringing it into the business in a way that is offering it at least, you know, people don't have to accept it. It's not that I wouldn't offer other forms of coaching. um, But I feel like it should be something that people could at least be exposed to and decide for themselves if that was something they were interested in pursuing more information about.
1: Yeah. And you said something really interesting a few minutes ago about sort of does something that you're doing need to be given or need to be incorporated into some of the business? And now I think you're kind of clarifying some of that of if you have, I almost hear it as like, if you have access to these tools, how could you not share them? Or like, why would you not share them? Mm -hmm. Also curious about the role of like, I'll say agency or self-knowledge on the part of clients you might be, be working with, like, what do you think it might look like for you to have, potential offerings around yoga and know that some clients will pick that up and, and some won't, what what do you think that space would look like?
0: Well, what's interesting to me about this, um, and you're helping me to clarify it is I think there's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. I think that on the very obvious end of the spectrum is let's practice yoga together. Let's do the physical asana practice together. And you can come to either a yoga class that I'm offering, you can infuse it into coaching through yin, like we will literally do this practice together. And some people are just not going to be up for that. And that's fine. Like for whatever reason, they may just, it's not for them to, and that's not what they're looking for, um, to have that kind of coaching relationship. But then I see other aspects of yoga and yogic philosophy that are way more subtle And it's not about the physical practice. It's not about showing up on your yoga mat with me, you know, and it's, it's maybe not even as embodied. Um, But I could see smaller aspects of embodiment, like a meditative moment or breathing practices, which I already bring into my coaching. But thinking about the stuff like self-study, for example, would be a good example of this. Like this is an example coming out of the, the yamas and niyamas that, I think a lot of people would connect with, like they would want to be self-reflective. They would want to be more self-aware to help them make big decisions. And I'm already doing this in my practice. Like this is very much a part of radical self-trust. So if I think about it as a spectrum, I think that people can opt into whatever level of the spectrum they feel comfortable with. And if they're like, no, I don't want the physical practice, but I'm I'm open to you kind of infusing some of these other philosophy components into this, and I think that it's also one of those areas where it's kind of like in coaching when you use a tool, sometimes you ask the client's permission to use the tool because it's explicit and it's maybe taking you down a direction that you're not sure they wanna go or it's gonna take over the session and so you get their permission first. Sometimes you just throw a tool into your coaching because it's the right tool and you don't necessarily need to ask permission and it's more subtle um, than you know a, a more explicit tool. I feel like it's kind of the same way with this, where it's like, there's kind of the more explicit things where it's like, I need your permission before we go in this direction. But then there's also these more subtle aspects that I would maybe infuse into coaching that I already am infusing and not calling them this because I didn't know what they were called um, that it's like clients wouldn't even necessarily know it's, Mm -hmm. it's more about my philosophy of coaching than it is about actions that they would have to take that maybe they wouldn't agree with. Um, and in the same way that I have radical self-trust on my coaching website, where it's like, this is my philosophy, you know, like, and to layer in other aspects to that and say, this does happen to connect with the chakra system. Or, you know, if you know about that, then here's the connection. If you don't know about that and you don't care, then disregard this. And we don't have to ever talk about it, but just know that there are these connections there, you know, if it is of interest to you. So it is for me very much like client agency and opt-in about giving them enough information so that they can make that choice and see if it's a good fit for them.
1: Yeah. And you've used a phrase that I keeps resonating for me, this calling out what's already there, which I think is such a, a fascinating maybe opportunity to step into some of these spaces of naming what it sounds like has already been part of your practice and your toolbox. And I wonder, what do you see as kind of Does recognizing that so many of these things, I think, were already there and and part of your coaching identity, does that help with the imposter syndrome or how does that fit with the imposter syndrome?
0: Um, I think it does help to some extent. It's definitely affirming in the sense of like when I first discovered radical self-trust and then I went back through like two years of blogs and podcasts and realized I'd been talking about it all along. I mean, it was like very affirming to have that happen. I think with yoga, it is also very affirming to run across certain things and be like, I deeply resonate with this because it's already been a part of my life practices to do journaling, for example. And this concept of self-study has been as someone who's an introvert, as somebody who's an academic, I mean, like this has been deeply involved in my life for years and years and years, like of how to be self-reflective and self-aware. And it shows up in different ways. um, But I think that's part of what's interesting when you find a philosophy that's broadly applied across a range of different cultures. You know, you, you realize like, yes, there's something very deep here that makes sense. And that I was probably already practicing without realizing I was practicing it. So to some degree, yeah. I mean, I, I think that there is something there. Um, I would say that I, I do feel like I have a healthy amount of concern about putting something into my coaching that other people might consider to be a religious practice mm-hmm. um and wanting to just be very sensitive to any form of appropriation and or you know pushing people away because i'm representing something in a way that doesn't make sense to them you know or that i i i don't know enough about how to represent it to have it be inclusive rather than exclusive um, and that's why i think part of the reason I'm giving this a lot of thought is I wouldn't want someone to misinterpret what I mean when I talk about this and, and have them look at it and be like, oh, I don't wanna do physical practice with you. When it's like, but there's a lot that could be here other than that. Um, so even the language of it, I think is important to be thinking about. And when I search around you know, online, like I'm having a hard time finding people who are doing these kinds of practices and it could be just because they're choosing not to brand it, you know, as explicitly as yoga infused coaching, but it's there and and they're doing it. Um, so that's a question for me, too, is just what does it mean to take explicit steps in things like marketing or website language that could be confusing to people or that could push certain people away because it's it's unclear to them what's happening?
1: Yeah, and I think that there's a real risk, and also I'm hearing a sense of responsibility there, Um, and I'm curious, you know, as you think about those those pieces of of risk, and and I think the responsibility that you have to want to do this in an ethical way, what else other than kind of subject expertise or domain knowledge could help you with that?
0: I think part of it is... um, and I've been thinking about this, I don't know the timeline of this for me, kind of personally, but one of the things that people often do in um, yoga practice is to choose a teacher and to choose someone to kind of guide them. Up until this point, I've had what I would consider to be very informal teachers. And obviously the person who runs my teacher training, you know, falls into that category. And I chose her, I guess you could say, to to do this online training, but I have not yet found someone that I feel like is kind of a mentor or a guide in this area for me that could do that for me on a personal level, partially because I don't really practice in a studio um, and I won't for at least the next little while because of the pandemic. So I think that this is often something where it's like you meet someone face to face and then ask them to to kind of mentor you in this area. So part of it, I think, is that I do think that there's part of it that is very, you um, it is embodied. It is a little bit of like a gut check of like, how do I feel about this? Do I feel like this is going in the right direction? And um, I recently heard someone talking about like making big decisions and they said, you need to feel it in your body. You know, like, is it the right decision to go in that direction? And that I think is one of the harder things for me about when you have an identity shift is you're starting to listen for different kinds of signals um than maybe you would have before. And there's not always a hundred percent confidence about what those signals mean or, you know, where to go with that. So I would say I feel like I have a couple people in my life that I can have these kinds of conversations with at this point to help me kind of ascertain some some kind of internal awareness about kind of how I'm feeling about moving in these directions. Um but it's also, I, I felt the same way with radical self-trust. It feels highly personal. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I also said this about radical self-trust. It feels like almost spiritual. Like there's a responsibility there when you're working with these kinds of concepts, because Mm -hmm. like coaching, some of this stuff is very life-changing for people. I mean, it impacts on all different kinds of levels, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, and it creates change in very powerful ways. And, With coaching, I don't want to say I feel like I have complete control over that, but I feel like I have enough control that when I'm wielding that as a tool, I'm not feeling like irresponsible, you know, about like bringing that tool into a space with a client. With this, it's like, I feel like I haven't quite gotten to the place where I feel like I have complete level of responsibility of like, I know what it can do and I know how to get people there. And I know how to read the signs, you know, if it's not working and, you know, those kinds of things. There's a lot of intuitiveness with coaching and that I don't feel like I have that intuitiveness with yoga yet. Um, And a huge part of that is just, I don't have a lot of experience teaching yoga to other people because of the pandemic situation. And because I'm early enough in this process that I know I will gain that information over time. Um, So I don't feel like it's something that I can't gain. I just feel like it's something that needs some time for me to deepen my own experience so that I have a sense of all the different ways that it can work.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, going back to that idea of, of the sort of spectrum that you introduced earlier, given the sort of level of, of competency that you feel like you have the level of knowledge you have and the responsibility tied up with that, where on the spectrum do you feel like you're ready to go at the present time or in, or in 2021?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, the things that I've, I've obviously I'm doing the retreat, (laughs) so that's happening. Um, I do feel like I have moved into the physical practice side of the spectrum. I did decide, well, I should say I'm 95% decided. Um, I'm still kind of, I haven't pulled the trigger, so it's obviously not hundred percent decided. I'd like to offer one-on-one yoga sessions for people. And I did even create like a calendar in my scheduling system of like, when this could happen, but I have not marketed it yet. Um, and in part, I think it's because it's just two more hours a week of my time that I'm trying to just be hundred percent sure I want to go in that direction before um, I tie it up um, with, with more appointments. So I think that that part is making sense to me. I have also started writing a little bit more in like blogging and, and podcasting and things like that about this topic. And I think that that's helpful to help me to kind of process what I'm learning Um, but I will also say, and I've been kind of thinking about this and I'm not sure what it means for me yet, but I felt like my knowledge of coaching was so deepened by writing the coach training manual and, and developing a curriculum of coach training. And so there's definitely something down the line of like, there's something I probably need to create around this that would help me to do directed research of this is you know, an area that I really wanna infuse into the business. And whether that's around seven weeks radical self-trust or something else, maybe it's the yin practice, um, there's probably some writing I need to do to kind of help myself cement the information. And I think that that's something that, journaling is part of it, but like the researcher side of me is like, being able to break information down into manageable pieces helps me to learn it too. And writing is a tool for me that I've used in the past to um, increase my knowledge and confidence on a topic.
1: I love that idea of sort of creating something that will force you to kind of sit deeply with the subject matter and, and see what questions come up so that you can educate yourself on those questions. Because. Mm-hmm. Throughout our conversation, I've really been thinking about like, how is the doing part of the learning? And in one sense, I've gotten perhaps why this is feeling a bit tentative for you. But also what I find really exciting is that I sense strongly that it's going to be by starting to do these things that you're going to run into. Here's how I deepen my knowledge. And here's how I become better at knowing about it or teaching it.
0: Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think that even like a couple of weeks ago, I read a book um, and and as people who are listening can probably imagine, there's so many different entry points into understanding yogic philosophy. Like it is not a simple thing. It's practiced across multiple cultures. There's certain words that are used in certain cultures and other words that are used in other cultures and, and they mean roughly the same thing. And so there's a lot of like mapping that overlaps once you start to get into things like the chakra system and energy and chi and all these different kinds of things. And I read a book a couple of weeks ago that talked about the chakra system in like a slightly different way. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I understand. (laughs) Like now I kind of, this is starting to click for me about, because some of the stuff is pretty, um, like kind of, I would say esoteric or, or vague or, um, it, it is meant to be kind of embodied knowledge. And so it's like you you can kind of learn it and try to memorize like these Sanskrit terms, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything until you're actually practicing it or or trying to kind of have a really deep understanding of like one element of seven elements or something like that. So I do feel like there's this sense of the more I go, the the deep, more deeper I'm kind of understanding it. Um, and that's helping me for sure. And it's kind of unlocking things along the way. Um, but also it's one of those things, this is why I've identified it as a life practice. I could go my entire life and like, I I would not understand all of this. And I would not have, you know, mastered my own practice. And, you know, like there's so many layers to this, which is the, the complexity of it is part of what draws me to it. And whenever there's something really complex, I'm automatically like, well, what is the way to simplify this for other people? I mean, it's like, that's just immediately where my brain goes. So I think that it's, um, feeling like something for me to just chew on. You know, like that's that's the part that I think really draws me to it because there is such depth to it. I see such benefit from it. And there's this possibility of kind of slicing and dicing it in a range of different possible ways that there's other entry points for other people too and to make it really accessible for them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's such a, a sort of beautiful impulse as you said that, that your exposure takes you back to how can you share this with others. Um, But that also, I think that, you know, you feel a sense of responsibility, but you can also kind of sit in the middle of it as a learner as well. And I wonder if there's also that piece as well, that there is space for you to learn without teaching immediately kind of piggybacking. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, I think that part of it is I understand that teaching helps me learn. So Mm -hmm. it's like there's a connection there for me. Um, But I do feel and I don't, I wouldn't say I feel a sense of urgency, other than the fact of when something's important to me, I like to infuse it in lots of different parts of my life. And I think There are lots of ways, and I think my coach training participants could tell you, you know, like, I'm talking about this stuff in coach training, like we're talking about somatics, we're talking about these different exercises, like it's, it's coming in in an informal way into some of our discussions, because it wasn't written into the coach training manual, I wasn't in the same place then that I am now. Um, and I have thought about, is there a coach training around somatics? You know, like, is there a class that I should be designing and offering as part of the training program? So I think there's other layers of like, where does this fit? Um, but there's also, I think coaching is just such a special thing and this is a special thing too. So of course my mind immediately goes to, well, then how do you combine the special things? You know, like they, there is overlap in so many ways because yoga is so much about personalizing a practice, being client centered, um modifying a practice so that a client is doing it in a very personal way that works for them, which to me just overlaps so much with what coaching is and they both bring clarity. I mean like there's just so much interesting overlap there. So the more I think about it, the more I'm like there's there's something there. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's enough to keep me seeking to kind of figure out what would be the best fit.
1: Yeah. And maybe to bring us back to that identity piece that's sort of been woven throughout tonight, I think that you've just spoken to as well. If you think about 2021, who do you wanna be as a coach in that year? Hmm. I mean, I think that,
0: I think my coaching in 2021 is going to be pretty nimble I think it's been nimble this year. It's had to be nimble. <laughs> We've all had to be nimble with our coaching this year. Um, I feel like part of it will be nimbleness because I don't think we're going to have a magical refresh in January. I think we're still going to be in a pandemic. You know, I think there's still going to be a lot that clients are going to be dealing with. So I would also say, though, that I I was thinking about this, Danielle, because Every year I feel like I make a decision about, is it a growth year or a maintenance year? And it's not that it can't change partway way through, but I usually have a pretty good idea going in, uh, especially for the business. Like, is this a year where I'm planning to launch a new product? Like when I launched coach training, which happened in 2020, or is this a year where it's like, nope, we're just kind of settling in with these services and like seeing how it goes and maybe growing them, you know, or um, in terms of enrollments, but like, I'm not layering in a new product or service. So I've been thinking that about that a lot with 2021 is like, is this a maintenance year? Is this a growth year? And I'm kind of having a hard time um, figuring that out because I feel like I don't have, I feel like like the first half could be a maintenance year, but then the second half could be a growth year. Like, cause I'll have enough under my belt to make some decisions about where we're headed. And I know these things don't always line up, unfortunately with like, oh, January, you get to make these big decisions. Like it could happen in June. It could happen in, you know. September. I mean, like, there's a lot of different um, timelines that I can't control when it comes to stuff like that. But I think what I am kind of realizing is at the very least, I feel like there will be elements of experimentation in my coaching Um, and maybe a beta testing of smaller offerings of things like the one on one coaching, maybe some yin combinations just to kind of see what do I think about them and how are they working. And what, how are clients responding, you know, to those kinds of programs and services. And I've done that before, um, where I've kind of secretly beta tested something for like a year and, and just kind of saw how it went. Um, So I think that that's more of what could be happening in 2021 is like, I'll still be doing it, but I I won't necessarily put it on my website, I might do like a private offering to some of my clients, or I think the retreat is probably the most. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to like, put boundaries around myself. But right now it seems like the retreat is probably going to be the most public offering that I'm making around the yoga, but uh, that could change, I think. And I'm, I'm open to that changing, you know, partway through 2021. So I think nimbleness and experimentation um, and also just a really deep sense of service to my clients yeah. because they are just struggling so much right now. And holding space around that is such a privilege and i know it will continue to be needed in 2021 and i think honestly this is like this is helping me to see that this is why i'm moving in this direction because it's a tool that's needed to hold that space like i think that i am coming to a better understanding of how yoga helps me hold space for clients in my own practice and if that's all it is fine like that that could be enough but I think that it's possible that it will help me hold space in other ways for them that are a little bit more embodied and that maybe could teach them tools that they could use on their own outside of the coaching relationship um, that would be beneficial.
1: Yeah, no, and I think that that's such a a beautiful way to summarize what is kind of leading you in this direction and, and maybe something you can kind of feel a sense of trust in even if there are uncertainties about some of these other pieces and maybe just as we we wrap up I love that idea of like growth and maintenance years but I think as you sort of articulated 2021 it sounded like it was not quite fitting into either of those categories exactly so do you think there's another word or another uh, concept that might capture some of what you articulated about 2021? It's a good question.
0: I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's almost like it's both at once. And I think mm-hmm. about this, my first instinct in response to that question was in some ways it's a growth year and a maintenance year for me because I am maintaining this practice which is pretty much daily yoga um, the physical practice anyway, and this other kind of learning. And, you know, there's other things I've planned throughout the year post this 300 hour training that will help to deepen my training in more formal ways. Um, just because I think I need that structure given where we are with the pandemic and, and, um, other responsibilities I have on my plate. So I have this, my own maintenance of like learning, but then I also have growth that's coming out of those actions. And so, I think it's kind of both. I mean, I think that we're going to see um with some of the things that I have planned, like I've opened up another enrollment cohort for the coach training and another on ramping basically into the coach training. And so it's like we're maintaining the same programs and like I'm going for accreditation in the spring of 2021 with the program cuz I'll have all the elements I need to do that. So that's a form of growth to do that, but at the same time it's like the calendar is staying relatively consistent um, and the programming and the curriculum is staying relatively consistent. So it's it's like a, um, yeah, it's both. It's happening at once, both personally for me and within the business.
1: Yeah. And I, I can't resist with my own kind of understanding of yoga and my own experience of it, the idea of practice, right? That that right. almost perfectly encapsulates maintenance. Like you do it consistently, you might be doing more or less the same things but the growth is happening because of that. Um, So I think that there's some great things tied in
0: that. Well, and I actually looked up the definition of practice before this call, because I was kind of writing down some of my own notes of like, what did I want to talk about today? What are some of the things I was trying to think about? And the two definitions I wrote down were observing the teachings and rules, like on a consistent basis of something and then actively um, pursue or be engaged in something. So the concept of practice is, fascinating to me. I talk about this with my clients all the time. How do we personalize our practices? What are the life practices that we're investing in and committing to? What does that mean for our values? I mean, like, this is something that has been a really fascinating topic for me. So that concept of practice and growth, and also how different it is from higher ed. Like, we the way we think about higher ed and how achievement oriented we are is like the opposite of yoga practice which is partly why i'm really drawn to it is like this is not about mastering a handstand like i mean it's like it's not about that you know like there's something else that you can deepen and and have your physical practice never look any different and you can still be deepening in all these other ways your understanding of yogic ethics and you know breathing practices and all these other kinds of things focus, meditation, you know, like there's all these elements there that I think are just really fascinating. And after having so many clients push back against this achievement orientedness of higher ed and and start to realize that it's not aligned with their values. It's like, well, what do we do instead? If we've been trained our whole lives, you know, to do this kind of achievement, what can I introduce that's like, oh, there is another way. (laughs) <laughs> there is another way that's completely satisfying and it's not as um, high stakes and it doesn't completely stress you out, you know, to do. And, you know, so there's something that's definitely calling to me. That's like, I am needing to carve a different path for people in higher ed. That's like, and some of them have clearly found it already, you know, and and are kind of doing their own value systems. Um, but I think our our time in higher ed in the next couple of years is gonna be really rough. And so maybe that's something I'm really unconsciously trying to prepare for uh, when I think about creating these tools for higher ed folks and and academics is, I know it's gonna be a bumpy road um, and we're gonna start to see our institutions close and and there's just gonna be a lot going on post pandemic and post this economic season. And I do think that what I'm talking about here offers possibilities for how to reckon with that and how to come out on the other side and feel like you are in a positive place and that you have some control in an environment that feels very uncertain.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful insight into what this offers and and sort of why you're doing it. So just as we wrap up, I want to take us back to what you sort of said at the outset, the desire to feel like you have some concrete ways to step into some more confidence around that work. How are you feeling about that at this stage?
0: Um, I would say feeling better than I was at the beginning of the session. Um, And also just coming to a realization that the actions that I choose to take, particularly around the practice, the daily practice and the the learning that I'm undertaking, that that will automatically shift me into the identity. Like, I don't need to do anything other than just the daily, you know, and not that that's not, you know, that's not a small thing <laughs> to, to be investing in that way. But I think that in my mind, you know, I had originally been thinking of like, oh, I need to make a proclamation, or I need to like change the website, or I need to have an offering, or I need to whatever, you know, like it has to be a thing that I'm like stepping into when really you're not stepping into it. It's just something that you're easing into over time, you know, without even kind of realizing it. It's not about in some ways credentialing yourself or um, well, Yoga Alliance would say that it is. But I think that in my case, I feel like it's more about the easing in through the personal practice. And to me, that feels very genuine. And um, like, it's not even about confidence. It's just about who you are. And if you're just being who you are, then that's fine.
1: Yeah, no, I I love that piece around around the identity. That part of the first step is naming that to yourself and then sitting and embodying that for yourself. And then I think other people will will see it and it will come out naturally in these other ways as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really... Glad that we got the chance to talk about some of those pieces. I'm excited to hear more about this journey. And yeah, and I just want to really honor that it sounds like you have some incredible gifts to offer to your community and your clients going forward. And I'm excited to see where it all leads for you. Thanks, Danielle. This was really helpful.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coach to Coach. For any resources mentioned in the episode, check out the episode show notes at drkatylinder.com coach. If you found this episode to be helpful, please take a moment to rate or review the show in Apple Podcasts or recommend this episode to a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening.